and welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I want to invite you, grab your Bibles and meet me today in the book of Zechariah. Let's go to chapter 4, and today we're going to discuss the dripping of the golden oil. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit, who is the subject matter of today's message, we ask that He will come and bring illumination to the eyes of our understanding, so that we can take your word and apply it, and walk in the power of the Spirit, and to also accomplish and finish the assignments that you have for us. Thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm very excited in my heart to talk today about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of his sleep. Now we see something similar with Daniel the prophet. When he fell on his face, he just, he just gently went to the ground and ended up becoming prostrate and laid out on the ground. And the same thing now has happened to the prophet Zechariah. And that's because of the glory of God, which in the Hebrew is the kabod of God, and it represents a weight. And so there is a supernatural weightiness in the glory where sometimes you can't stand. And I've had that happen to me where uh, it seems like your legs are starting to go out on you. They turn in the rubber. Everything seems to kind of like turn in the rubber, and maybe you can't get out of your chair, and you're, you're wondering what's going on. Those type of things can happen when the glory of God becomes very strong, and so it's like He just fell out, and He's like in a, maybe somewhat of a spiritual daze, because he's, he's, He has just had some information shared with Him by the angel. And also in strong angelic visitations, especially when the angel has just come from heaven, and he's sharing something with you that is a message from God, they are carrying that atmosphere of heaven. They are carrying the glory of God because they have just been in the presence of God, and it emanates off of them. And that does very unusual things to your physical body praise the Lord, such as becoming weak, or falling out, or you, you, can, you can't stand up, and you know, your mind still works, but here he is being wakened out of his sleep. And I believe that there is an awakening, a greater awakening coming to you. And I'm talking about a spiritual awakening where everything is going to be, become spiritually heightened. Your sensitivity to God and your ability to move with the Holy Spirit, to navigate the various minefields and temptations that are out there, and to avoid the icebergs in life, and to reach your destination. There is an awakening. Now, I know that some have talked about a cold, dark winter, a COVID winter, where everything's going to get shut down. Let me say with you, everything's about to get woke up to a spiritual illumination, an understanding, and not just an understanding, but an encounter into the glory of God, even what has been talked about for so long and prophesied for so long, even what we would call the greater glory of God. There is an awakening of that going on right now amongst those who are really pressing into the Lord and this is part of this spiritual awakening, praise God. And when it happens, there is a release, a flow of revelatory knowledge and wisdom of knowing what to do, and walking in faith, walking in confidence, and walking in the boldness of Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Verse 2, And he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I am looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold, with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand seven lamps, and with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Metals 
have different meanings in Scripture. When you're looking at gold, you're looking at something that is representative of God, His nature, or of deity. When you're looking at silver, you're looking at the representation of redemption. When you look at brass, you're looking at symbolism that would speak of strength, or sometimes of judgment, sometimes of both. So metals have different representations in the Bible. Now verse 3, two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl, and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's just something uh, where we have these times where we, we, don't, we don't understand, we don't know. And it's very, it's very easy to have a supernatural encounter and not really know uh, what was being symbolically portrayed to you. And so it's good to ask. There is a lot of symbolism in the book of Revelation. Much of that symbolism is used before in previous books, such as the book of Zechariah. So when we begin to unravel these biblical symbols, and then we get proper interpretation, then we can make good application, and then walk in the truth of that. Praise God. So we'll get to the two olive trees in the lampstand here in just a moment. Verse 5, Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, And what he's going to say really is the thrust of the chapter, and also in some ways a major thrust of the entire book and the prophetic message of Zechariah. And here it is. He answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Let me stop just for a moment. You have two main characters in the book. You have Zerubbabel, who is the civic leader of the people of Israel, having returned from former captivity, having left the distant foreign land, no longer in captivity, back in the land of Israel, back in the city of Jerusalem. And although he's not a king, in many ways he's having to function as a king. He's having that role pretty much thrust upon him. He's technically called the governor, or the person that is to rule over Jerusalem, rule over the rebuilding of the temple. But he's got a lot of opposition from some neighboring tribes that are not too happy about what he's doing. And when I say tribes, I'm not talking about the tribes of Israel. I'm talking about the heathen nations that would be around. And so there were efforts, legal efforts and things made to stop the work. And for quite some time, it was stop and go, stop and go. And now it has pretty much come to a halt again. And Zerubbabel is doing all he can to move the project forward, but he's going to need some help by the Lord's blessing. Uh, that help is made available through two primary prophets that are used to constantly bring the encouragement that is needed to keep the project moving forward, and even after a pretty long break, to really come forward with new prophetic words to really get the people moving again. And of course, eventually they got the job done. The other individual that we see mentioned who's very important would be Joshua, the high priest during this time. So this word here is to Zerubbabel, who is the leader. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now there was an official there who uh, wanted to stop the rebuilding of the temple. But the king over in the foreign land said, no, Zerubbabel, I overrule that guy. Go ahead and do whatever you need to do. As a matter of fact, I'm even giving permission for you to reach into the tax base there, the, the people being taxed that live in the land, and you can even use that money as well. So things really begin to turn in his favor. But even if you have a king who supports you, even if, if suddenly things start to go much better for you, and you're not maybe in a tiny little spot anymore, you have to be very careful that you still willfully choose to lean upon the Holy Spirit. And, and while we thank God for our intellect and our ability, our brains, our minds, and we want to develop our intellect, we, want to, uh, we don't want our brains to be lazy, 
And, you know, we thank God for strength, maybe to work long hours or long days. But in the midst of all of that, we never want to get to a place where we say, you know, God, I've got it from now, I can take it from here. That is a very dangerous thing to do, because it is the Holy Spirit who helps to stabilize us, strengthen us, lift us up. And then if we stay close to God, we will get into the greater glory. We're not talking about, you know, just let's just move the project forward. No, God has an assignment. And when Christ is lifted up, He's going to draw all men unto Him, and we're going to see some amazing things happen. So we have to stay reliant upon the Holy Spirit, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Praise the Lord. Now verse 7, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. What is the mountain? Well, it's probably all the debris left over from the amazing temple that Solomon had built. Now, we know that that temple was pulled down and busted up and, uh, you know, just left in, in ruins. And the ten northern tribes had been taken into captivity. Uh, the two southern tribes eventually were taken into captivity as well. You had the Assyrian captivity for the northern tribes. You had uh, Judah going off into Babylonian captivity. And the beautiful temple that once was a wonder of the world has now been destroyed. And so you've got a mountain of rubble, and they have an assignment to clean everything up and rebuild the temple. Now, it's not going to be on the same level of uh, physical stature as what Solomon's temple was. It's not going to be really anything close to that. It's not going to have uh, uh, as much gold. It's not going to have that type of grandeur. But it is going to have something special about it in the sense that it's getting ready for the Messiah. Because even though Herod built the temple that Jesus went into, Herod kept the foundation of Zerubbabel's temple, that Zerubbabel built for the Lord. He actually kept that foundation, but just expanded up on it. So the location of where the Ark of the Covenant uh, was rest, was rested, was kept. None of that was changed. Herod just made it much larger. And then, of course, he made these massive retaining walls. Uh, the particular retaining wall known today as the Western Wall is still there. Remember, that's not the temple. The temple set up on top of that. So this is very important to get this done. And they're going to get it done. Now, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone. Well, the capstone was the final piece that would go, uh, that would be set in place by the craftsmen, and it would mean that the project is now finished. And usually it would be attended by many people, and you would have the highest ranking civil person that would be Zerubbabel, who would be involved by having his own hands on that capstone and making uh, the ceremonial. Uh, job of putting that last piece in place. It would be kind of like building the pyramid, uh, the giant pyramid there in Egypt, and the last piece would be the one on the top. So that's what is meant by a capstone. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. So the prophets are saying, God's with you. Just keep trusting in the Lord. The Holy Spirit's power is there. You're going to have a lot of obstacles. It's like a mountain. Uh, in front of you, but just keep moving forward. The grace of God will be there. The power of the Holy Spirit will be there for you. Now, verse 11, Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and its left? Let me say also that there, uh, there was a lot of conversation between the prophet Zechariah and the angel who's instructing him, answering questions. And I do believe in angelic visitation because it's in the Bible, Old, Co Old Covenant and New. And I also believe in angelic communication. Praise the Lord. I don't try to make that happen. I yield to it, however, when the Holy Spirit begins to manifest it. And there can be times when angels have something important to share with you, and you need to be open to that possibility.
Praise God. We see a whole lot of it in the book of Zechariah. Now, verse, verse 11, Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees? At the right of the lampstand and at its left. And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles? I think that's very important. We'll swing back to that in just a moment. That drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains. Then he answered me and said, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he said, These are the two anointed ones. Now, the literal Hebrew is actually sons of oil. And I want you to see yourself as a son or daughter of the oil of the Holy Spirit, of God's empowerment, the subject of God's empowerment. Praise the Lord. These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Praise God. Different theologians interpret the two olive trees with different interpretations. I'll give you a general uh, idea of how some theologians see it, but then I want to give you what I think is probably the most accurate translation. Uh, Also, uh, when you translate it in context, and also when you translate it from, I believe, just a, a deeper how can I say, a panoramic view of it. Okay, so here's a basic translation. Some people say that one of the trees represents Zerubbabel acting as the civic leader or the king of Israel, because Zerubbabel, he did descend down the Davidic line, so he could potentially be a king, but you know, they're just in the rebuilding process. They're, they're too busy doing other stuff. They, they're just trying to put everything back in order. Uh, not just the city walls and and, and the temple, but everything from the priesthood and on and on it goes. Everything has been laying dormant uh, for so long that there is a lot that needs to be brought back online. And so uh, some commentators say that the other tree would represent Joshua, who is the high priest. And others say, well, it could also represent the Jewish people, and it could represent the church, because the Jews are a blessing to the world in so many ways because of their, uh, you know, the technology. We wouldn't have cell phones today without Israeli technology. We wouldn't have drip irrigation for our gardens and our, you know, landscaping without the Israelis, and on and on it goes. All of the incredible uh, vaccines and wonderful things the Jewish people have brought to the world. Uh, most importantly, of course, God's holy word. They are the ones that God worked through to bring his word, the light to the world. Praise God. But also the church. Think about what the, the world would be like without the church, because we believers in Christ, we carry the message of salvation. So without salvation, and without that message being preached, you know, uh, there's, there's no hope. Praise the Lord. So we are the ones that can bring that to the world, the gospel, the good news. And so some people say those are the two trees. And the two we see often used in Scripture together, whether it's Zerubbabel and Joshua, or the church and Israel, or Moses and Aaron, Joshua and Caleb, Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Barnabas, and then also throughout church history you see the same format, whether it's Martin Luther and John Calvin, John Wesley, George Whitefield, and on and on it goes. And even over in the New Testament we also get into the two witnesses. And let's take a look at that just for a moment, because it certainly ties in to what we're talking about here in Zechariah chapter 4. So we're going now over to the book of Revelation chapter 11, and let's go to verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy. See, one of the things that happens is when the power of the Holy Spirit touches your life, don't be surprised if you you just get this unction to prophesy. Now, you, you may not prophesy deep 
and marvelous mysteries and, and start unveiling uh, uh, amazing things and calling out the future. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. But at the same time, you might. Praise the Lord. But that unction to prophesy just can get so strong at times when the anointing of the Spirit of God touches you and you could give a prophetic word to somebody else, or you just might open your mouth and start prophesying over your children. I've had that happen to me before. One time in the bedroom with my uh, wife and the, uh, our two children, uh, they were my two stepchildren, but we were in the bedroom together just laughing and having fun, and suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon me, and it, it was so strong that all I knew is that out of my mouth wanted to come prophecy. So I started prophesying right there on the spot. Well, uh, Kelly and Matthew and Jennifer, uh, we'd all been laughing, so it, it took them just a second to realize, wait a minute, uh, Stephen just shifted. What is he doing? And uh, they were kind of like, what, what are you saying? I, I said, I, I'm prophesying. The, the anointing is so strong, I can't help but prophesy. And I began to prophesy to each of them. And that, that was something that uh, it, just, it just poured out of me, just like pouring water out of me. There was no strain or struggle. I wasn't trying to make something up. I was rushing to get it out as fast as I could because it was pouring out of me. And oh, what beautiful things the Lord said within about a two-minute period. It was about a two-minute prophecy, but so, so beautiful. And, and much of it I could still remember today. But you know what? That was... That was 20, that was, that was almost 25 years ago, and I can still remember today uh, those things that I said under that anointing. I've had it happen at other times. Praise the Lord, but be ready. Be ready. I'm telling you, this is the waking up, just like Zechariah, waking up into the greater glory, into a deeper understanding of the ways of God. This is your time to shine. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy. 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. That would be three and a half year period. These are the two olive trees. Okay, so these two men, these two witnesses, are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Well, this is a little bit different because here we're seeing two olive trees. That's normal, but now we're seeing two lampstands. Yes, that is correct. And I'll point out the one lampstand here in just a moment as well to you. Uh, and that will, I believe, make a little bit more sense of the two olive trees and the two lampstands. They're basically these two witnesses. Now, there has been a lot of speculation. I'm sure you've heard uh, different teachers of eschatology, which is a study of end-time biblical events, give their opinion, and you can't be dogmatic about it because it doesn't come out and name them. It gives certain a list of certain things they're going to do, and that does give a little insight into probably who it could be. But there's a lot of discussion about who the two witnesses are, and there are those who say, well, based upon what we read, this appears to be probably indicating that the two witnesses will be Moses and Elijah, and maybe it could be. I'm, I'm a little bit different on this one. I think that the two witnesses are Enoch and Elijah. That's just my personal persuasion based upon my personal study, and I've also have dug into some interesting things of church history where a lot of the mystic saints, they uh, would talk about some of their supernatural encounters, and they would say that uh, it would be revealed to them that the two witnesses were Enoch and Elijah. So I'll share something with you right now that you might find interesting. It's extra biblical, and that's okay. Uh, it's, we can't be dogmatic about it because we, we're not really going to know for sure until either we go to heaven and meet them, or they end up coming to the earth and, oh, there they are. Look at them go. Praise the Lord. But I'll share something that's not unbiblical, but it is extra biblical. And that would be the vision that Dr. DGS Denikaran, the great prophet of India, had on one of his heavenly uh, experiences. He, he was known for his great teaching, 
and also his deep walk with God. Now he's lived his life out, he's in heaven now, his ministry continues on after him, and it continues to affect really uh, millions of people. He was a great man of God. But he was a man that, uh, like the Apostle Paul, would have the third heaven experiences. And he had quite a few of them. The thing with Dr. Denikarian is that when he shares his experiences, it, it reminds me a lot of Prophet Kenneth Hagin. When Kenneth Hagin told about his encounters with the Lord, it always lined up with Scripture. When Dr. Denikarian would talk about his heavenly visitations, or what the Lord told him, or who he met in heaven, it always lined up with Scripture. There was never once anything weird or anything that would um, contradict what is written in the Word of God. So that's why I love the ministry of Kenneth Hagin, and I also really uh, value the ministry of Dr. Denikarian because there's a lot of information in the experiences they had in their walk with the Lord. So in one of these situations, and by the way, you can, you can see his videos on YouTube, Dr. Denikarian, as he shares these heavenly experiences that he had. But in one of his experiences, and also in the book, I have uh, all of his books on his heavenly experiences, he talks about the time he was in heaven, and the Lord said, I want to introduce you to the two witnesses of the book of Revelation. Woo! How about that? So here's a man, Dr. Denikarin, in India, South India. He lived in um, Chennai, and I've been to Chennai multiple times. But he was caught up to heaven in a visionary experience, and he was in the third heaven, and he was there with God. Uh, he was there with Jesus, and he was allowed to meet the two witnesses. And he said, to his great amazement, he met the two witnesses. They were introduced to him by the Lord, and they were Enoch and Elijah. Now, you have to realize these, these men never died. Wow, praise the Lord. They were taken off the earth without dying. So they have been in heaven for thousands of years now in a physical body like you and I have. So Dr. Denikarin said that when he saw them, they, you know, they had their physical bodies, but they have been in the glory of God, in the presence of God, and they've been in heaven for so long that they, their bodies look like, like almost like they're translucent gold. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. But remember, those two men, they're coming back. Well, Pastor Stephen, do we really know for sure? Well, not until they actually show up, or we go to heaven before that happens, and we get to meet them up there. And I wouldn't debate it with anybody over, is it really these two? Again, that's just personal persuasion. It's, it's something that doesn't decide your, sal your salvation. It doesn't determine your eternal uh, destiny or anything like that. It's just a fun study. So I'll leave it at that. But that's something that I think is very, very fascinating. Now, these men are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Let's go back now to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 14. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. I believe that in the Old Testament, the two anointed ones that are being referred here, it's really, now remember, if you look at it in context, and even if you think about what's now written in Revelation, you're looking here at, at the two olive trees. Oil represents the Holy Spirit so often in the Old Testament. Yes, they are two trees, but they are symbolically being used in this story to represent something. I believe it's representing the Holy Spirit and His works, and I'm not the only one who thinks that. There are many theologians who, when you look slowly and carefully at the context, this is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor Stephen, then who would be uh, the lampstand? The lampstand would be the recipient of the oil from the trees. And that recipient, I believe in context, is Zerubbabel, because he is receiving the Spirit's power so that he can accomplish the task that God has given to him, which is to rebuild the temple. Now, we know that Zerubbabel is actually called the Lamp of Israel. So, uh, when you think of him being the lamp, between the two trees and receiving that oil, that's easy to uh, 
to visualize that because he's receiving the power, the might of the Holy Spirit. And also we see that phrase used for national leaders of the nation of Israel. Let me give you an example of that in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 21, and this will be in verse, let's start in verse 15. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. He's not a young guy anymore. He's not the handsome young teenager. Well, I'm not saying he's not handsome, but he's not a, he's not a, a teenager anymore. He's gotten older, but he's still going out to battle. Uh, but this time, because he's gotten older and so forth, and also all of the responsibilities he has as king, he's not just a warrior anymore, and he's not just a musician anymore. Now he, he's a king, and he has all of these things on, on his mind, and he doesn't have time to practice the way he used to with the sword, and he doesn't have time to go to the gym the way he used to, and uh, be, uh, he's just in a different, er, uh, a different phase of his life. He's older. Well, he grew faint. Then Ishbi Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. Well, remember what Henry Ford said, the inventor of the modern-day automobile. He said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. <laughs> so if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. Well, this son of the giant, he's got himself a new sword. And sometimes there's something very uh, motivational about getting a new sword or getting something new. And, you know, uh, you just think this is it. Now we're going to win now. We've got new shoes or we're going to win now. We have, we have the newest, latest thing. It can be a real um, motivator. So he actually thought he could kill David and he's caught David at a very weak moment. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. So David was viewed as being the lamp of Israel. And they're were, they were saying, like, look, David, we got enough guys that can know how to fight. And you've already set a pattern the, uh, of being the giant killer. So it's more important at this point that you stay alive because you are different from everybody else. You're the lamp of Israel. And so we, we, at this, at this point, you're in a different role. It's just, just stand there, <laughs> let everybody see you and stay alive <laughs> because you're the lamp of Israel. And we can't, we can't have something silly happen where you're taken out because that, that's going to demoralize the entire nation. So he was called the lamp of Israel. And we, we see also that this is really the place that Zerubbabel is in as well. He is now viewed by the people, the exiles who've returned. He's now viewed as the lamp of Israel. He's God's man, and he's the person that they're all looking at. So he is the recipient of the oil. It's not by might nor power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was symbolized in the Old Testament as oil. What does oil do? What will it do for you? Well, oil, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, lubricates. Oil lubricates. And I get around some Christians sometimes, and I realize I've never seen them smile once. I've never seen, now this is worse. I've never seen them laugh. Wow. Something's not right. What's wrong, Pastor Stephen? They haven't been oiled properly. And even if you're John the Baptist and your, your ministry is a call to repentance and you thunder powerful messages, still there should at least be a moment uh, where there is, you know, somewhere in your life, laughter. So if there's no laughter and there's no joy, uh, something is, is not being lubricated properly because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's not just about rules and regulations, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
So that oil of the Holy Spirit will lubricate you. And trust me, you've got a funny bone, and the Holy Spirit knows how to find it. I'm not talking about crude humor, because that's never of the Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians, I believe it's chapter 4, let there not be one hint of sexual immorality among you. And also, in that same context, Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, do not use crude humor. Why, Pastor Stephen? Because you know where that's going to go. It's going to end up getting into uh, a form of talking that's very debased, and before you know it, you're in the flesh, and you're certainly not representing Christ through any type of a good witness by doing that. So, we need the oil of the Holy Spirit. He will bring laughter. The Holy Spirit has come upon me at times, and I have laughed and laughed. And I'm not talking about a natural laughter. I'm t- it is a supernatural laughter where there is such joy released. And I tell you, there's a lot of healing uh, in that as well, a lot of blessing in that. But there is also a lubrication of timing where things sink right. You're at the right place at the right time because you're walking with God and you're, you're staying close to Him. The Holy Spirit, He'll lubricate your time and He'll allow you to get more done. He'll allow you to get it done more efficiently. You won't have to drive as far. You won't have to wait as long. If you'll pray and walk close to the Lord and trust the Holy Spirit, He'll help you to redeem your time. There is a supernatural lubrication for that. Praise the Lord. Oil also heals. We see that in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 34. So he went to him, that would be the Good Samaritan, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. So oil and wine were poured in. Oil has always been a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and also wine throughout the Old Testament was often a symbol of the Holy Spirit as well. So here here we have an example of oil being used as an agent of healing. And it's very important that you learn to yield and cooperate with the Holy Spirit when you need healing in your body. Because trust me, any type of healing that's going to come forth through the gifts of healing the Holy Spirit will 100% be involved in that, and you need to become very familiar with Him so that you can flow with Him when healing is manifesting through the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's the healing oil. Oil also lights when burned in a lamp, and so there's revelation. And so as Zerubbabel stands in that place of leadership, And as you stand in a place of leadership, that oil begins to flow in. And what does it do? It brings light, because that's what the menorah was. It's these lamps, they're burning, and now you can see. Now you have the illumination to make right decisions. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Oil also warms. That means it brings comfort. And we see in Scripture, comfort, yes, comfort my people. And there's something about the Holy Spirit where He is able to warmly embrace you and bring a supernatural comfort to you, even during a time of sorrow, maybe the loss of a loved one, and you you just feel that aching in your heart, but the Holy Spirit can comfort you and warm you with the love of God in a very, very beautiful way. So oil warms. Oil also adorns when applied as a perfume. And when you are adorned with the oil of the Spirit, it makes you pleasant around other people. It actually can soothe and calm other people that are maybe wound up or maybe a little bit agitated for whatever reason, because people are uh, are going through so many different types of things, and maybe they're upset, or uh, maybe they're just very moody. Well, that adorning of the oil causes you to come in, and it helps you also to smooth things, because oil is used to also polish metal. And as it polishes metal, you're taking away the grime, the dirt, you're creating a shine, and you can even polish down with oil those rough 
edges. Praise God. So the Holy Spirit is involved in all of these areas. He just makes you to be very pleasant to be around. And when you come into a situation, you can be the peacemaker. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at something very interesting. This would be, of course, again, Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 12, And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? Well, the oil is dripping in, dripping in. I want you to think just for a moment about an IV, which would be a medical term for intravenous fluid. An IV drips slowly into a person. It's hooked up, and they run it right into your, into your, um, your veins, so that it goes immediately into your blood. And it goes like this. As it begins to come in, it starts dripping, dripping, dripping. And I want to read something. As that golden oil drips in, I want to just give an example of why an IV is so important in a hospital and why the Holy Spirit IV, the dripping of the golden oil, is so important in your life as well. IVs are used primarily to prevent dehydration. By the way, you do not want to be spiritually dehydrated. It's very dangerous spiritually. So the, uh, an IV is used to prevent dehydration, maintain blood pressure, and give patients medicines or nutrients uh, if they're in a place where they can't eat. They can get all of that in through an IV. And one of the major perks of an IV is through hydration therapy, because the fluids that you put into your system, they will be used to hydrate your body immediately. That's what's so good about an IV. It's immediately sending what you need into your body. Since these fluids go directly into your bloodstream, you can increase the amount of fluids, vitamins, and minerals in your body right away. Mm -mm. This means that you feel better, faster. Praise the Lord. Now, here's another medical statement concerning an IV. Water is actually absorbed in the lower gastrointestinal tract. Well, Pastor Stephen, can I just drink water? Why do I need an IV? Here's why again. Water is actually absorbed in the lower gastrointestinal tract, specifically the large intestine. So even if you just choose to drink water, it can take several hours after drinking water before your body starts to benefit. How about that? But with IV fluids, you begin to get hydrated immediately. Praise God. Now, as the two olive trees, the Holy Spirit, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the worker in the Godhead. As that oil begins to move from the Holy Spirit into the golden receptacle, into the menorah, it drips in. Drip, drip, drip. And you, just like Zerubbabel, are the recipient of that it's dripping into you. And it may come slowly. It doesn't, it doesn't rush in. It comes slowly. That way you can digest it, assimilate it, and you'll feel better. You'll feel better spiritually. You'll feel stronger, and you're going to get the, the spiritual minerals and nutrients that you need. And so just always hang out with the Lord, however you choose to go through your devotional time, Hang out with the Lord until the IV treatment has been accomplished. Now, if you go to the, to the doctor to get an IV treatment, it usually takes about 45 minutes or an hour for the full treatment. But when you're in your devotional time, just hang out with the Lord until that IV treatment has fully come into your spirit, into your system. Drip, drip, drip. And just like a person at the doctor's office who's getting an IV treatment, it's not like you're really noticing what's going on. Maybe you're, maybe you're getting the treatment while you're reading the magazine, or while you're reading the book, or watching TV. But before you know it, wow, I'm starting to feel better. It's the same way with 
your time alone with the Lord. Drip, drip, drip that golden oil coming in as you pray, as you meditate on the Word, maybe as you sing to the Lord, as you spend time with God. Don't leave until that session is complete. And you'll know. You'll know if you leave halfway in between. Why? You're still you're not filled up. That's the best word I can use to describe it. You're just not yet filled up. And you'll also know when you are. And when you are, you will be happy. And you will be lubricated. You will be oiled. Woo! Praise the Lord. This is very important. My friends, while sometimes we go through these books of the prophets that can be very symbolic in nature, don't let the symbolism throw you. You can, you can get those things ironed out. The main thrust, though, is staying close with God, walking close to Him, and trusting the Holy Spirit to be the strength and the power and the wisdom that you need. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you for this illumination of the Holy Spirit to begin to flow into you. Praise God. You know, one of the things about wisdom is that when you begin to walk in that golden oil of the Holy Spirit, you start making right decisions. What is a wonderful effect of that? Your life gets easier. Praise the Lord. Now, things in the world are going to get more difficult for those that don't know God, that don't follow His principles. They're going to have many difficulties. But for the person that walks with the Lord and stays close to Him, and allows the golden oil of the Spirit to flow in, you will always have the solutions that you need. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Guard your heart against traditional forms of Christianity that would keep you busy, 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 but would take you away from really what it's all about, which is relationship with the Lord. Praise God. Here's something very important for you to understand, that as a New Testament child of God, it's not so much what you do as it is who you are. I know some ministers, they're always trying to impress God and impress fellow ministers of how much they're doing. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I've got a meeting over here, I got, I got this going on over there, and I, that's great if God told you to do that. But if you're just trying to fill your schedule just because you want to appear to be busy and you want everybody to, you know, you know say, hey, yeah, you're great, well, yes, look at you go. Um, that's going to end up in a person being very dry. Praise the Lord. All you have to do is do what God called you to do. And be, more importantly, be who God wants you to be, which is a child of God who is being transformed into the image of Christ. Now, those things that we are called to do, whether it's like Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple, or whatever it might be, yes, you're going to be busy. But remember, it's not about the work. It's about more who you are in the Lord, and from that position, the work is going to get accomplished. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for you that that oil will begin to flow into your spirit, and that if there are any hindrances, they will be clearly made obvious to you, and that they will be removed carefully and specifically from your life, so that there can be the proper flow of oil. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching today, that as they find themselves between the two olive trees, that they will receive the empowerment, the empowerment to prophesy, the empowerment for some to build, the, the empowerment for some to restore, the empowerment for some to heal, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the empowerment to fulfill destiny. Father, we give you praise. We thank you for what you're doing because you're moving quickly. You're moving quickly. We're in the twilight hours of the plan that you have for 
the church upon the earth. So, Father, we're going to continue to occupy till you come, which means stay bu- stay busy. Basically, stay busy. We thank you for that. So, I'm praying for your people that they be in their lane, doing what you've called them to do, and happy and content in that, not needing to do something else to try to impress somebody else or wave a banner and say, look at me, look how busy I am for the Lord. Father, we pray that we make time to get, if we could say, between the olive trees to receive the oil. Thank you, O God, for the fellowship. Thank you for the wisdom and the illumination. And thank you for the awakening into the greater glory, greater miracles, greater miracles than we've ever seen before, and an acceleration into these things. Thank you, Father God, and a protection of the anointing, protecting it, guarding what's very valuable. Thank you, Father God, that it is by your Spirit, it's not by our might nor our power, although we're going to do all that we can. But we thank you, Father. I pray for your people that as they do the best they can in the natural, that your super will come upon their natural, and they will know the moving of your Spirit the power of your Spirit, which is so far beyond what we could ever do. Father, we thank you that this oil bring the lubrication that's needed, for some the healing that's needed, for some the polishing that's needed. Thank you, Father God, that you're working. You're working. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. And amen. I sense the oil is really flowing right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're watching today's program and you don't know the Messiah, the Savior of the world, His name is Jesus Christ. He went to the cross and He died as a substitute for your sins. He took your place, the punishment that you and I deserved for our sins. Jesus went to the cross and bore that punishment for us. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. All sin must be accounted for, and it must receive its proper punishment. And so Christ went to the cross to pay that penalty for our sins, to be the substitute, to take the punishment that we deserved. If you put your faith and trust in Him, He's your Savior, your sins are forgiven, and your life is made right with God, and also, also He'll give you His eternal life. If you would like to receive Christ now, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died. You died for me. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. I give my life fully and completely to you. Jesus, from this day forward, step into my life. Lead me and guide me in all that I do, write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. My friends, those of you that have prayed that, welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Now, let's all take Holy Communion together. I'd like to encourage you to grab some unleavened bread. You can use a little saltine cracker if you don't have one of these little wafers. I used to take communion every time I would go to see my dear friend, Dr. Wade Taylor, and uh, he never had any of these little communion wafers. Uh, He would use uh, graham crackers. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's not biblical. Well, uh, he had a tremendous walk with the Lord, and that just is uh, what he would usually have in the house, but he was taking communion every day. And, you know, the Lord will honor what you have to work with. Praise God. Now, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We set it apart as holy. We consecrate it by this prayer, and we receive this now as the body and the blood of Christ, our Savior. Father, as we, re- we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit and for the dripping of the golden oil. We thank you for the heavenly IV. Woo! And Father, we thank you. With your IV, there's no needle involved. (laughs) There's no pain, and we don't have to go to the hospital. But Father, we do need to hang out with you, and we just thank you for 
the strength to finish our assignments. For Zerubbabel, the rebuilding of the temple. For us, the various assignments we have. So as we receive the body of Jesus, we thank you for the golden oil flowing and your strength coming in. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Now, I'll, I'll share something that to me, when I say this, to me seems very normal. It's just as normal as drinking a Dr. Pepper and going out and uh, buying a pizza and having a slice of pizza to eat. But I've had many angelic experiences. But I say that knowing that for some of you, you've never had one, and that's okay. Please don't try to fabricate something and uh, make something up. I'm not into this stuff of like trying to imagine something. Uh, Pastor Stephen, let's use our imagination and let's go to heaven. No, no, when it's real, you don't have to use your imagination. When it's real, the Holy Spirit will take you. I'm not into this imagination thing because uh, I'm, I'm talking about real encounters, real experiences. But I want to encourage you because I believe some of you are going to begin to have some angelic experiences. And again, that's what I liked about uh, Kenneth Hagin is that his experiences were real. His supernatural encounters were, were real. The ones I've had, they're real. I only tell real stories. I don't make stuff up. I, I don't need to. I've had enough real things. I say that by the grace of God. When Dr. Dennis Karen talked about his experiences, uh, they were real. One time he was in heaven, and he actually saw one of his former church members, and he was allowed to talk to her. And he told, he told the woman in heaven, he said, your, your, uh, your husband back on earth, whom you were married to, um, he's very upset that, you know, that you died and you passed away, and he really misses you, and he's, his, hat, his heart is very sad, and I've tried to encourage him, but he's very sad. And while in heaven, in this heavenly vision, uh, while Dr. Denny Karen was in heaven, this woman uh, that he was talking to said, oh, uh, she said, oh, uh, there is a note I wrote, a letter. Just before I died, I wrote a letter. I put it in the note, and it's in the Bible, and it's, uh, it's right in this particular area of the Bible. Tell him to go and get my Bible and turn there in that area, and he'll find the note that I wrote just for him, and it will greatly encourage him. So he comes out of that vision, and he goes over to that man's house and says, I had a heavenly experience, uh, and when I, when I was in this vision in heaven, uh, I saw certain things, but I also saw your wife, and she told me that she wrote a letter for you. It's in a note over here in, in, in her Bible. Let's go find it. Now, you'll find out if your heavenly experience was real or not, if that letter is there. And sure enough, much to the tremendous astonishment of both of them, there was a letter there handwritten by her for her husband saying and sharing certain things that she wrote just to him to bring comfort, knowing that she was not going to be there much longer. And oh, it just, it brought closure for him with such love and joy and comfort. And they were both praising the Lord, Dr. Denny Karen and that precious man. And uh, I'm talking about very real experiences. And I believe some of you are going to have genuine, valid, angelic encounters. And it will be important concerning the fulfillment of the destiny that God has for you because you're going to go to the next phase. Something's going to happen to that angelic encounter that will move you into the next level, the next phase that God wants to take you into. There's something that you need to know that will be revealed to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, a close walk with you, the cleansing power of the blood. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Christ, that even if we don't sin, we, we have so many just human human flaws, because we're human. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Christ, certainly covering our sins, because we're not perfect. We have, there's times where we sin. We thank you for the blood covering that. And we thank you for the blood covering even things that we're not aware of, that maybe we just uh, didn't answer somebody properly or didn't do something right. We thank you for the blood of Christ covering all of our sins. Thank you, Father God. And Father, we ask that if we have sinned, you would forgive us of all of our sins. And we forgive anybody, anyone who has sinned against us, we forgive them completely. We ask, Father, that you would lead us away from temptation, and we ask that you would deliver us from the evil one. We thank you that you will. 
We give you praise. Thank you, Father God, for purity in Christ, living a clean life. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, that we are those who cherish your word. As Jesus said, those who really love me are those who have my commandments and keep them. We thank you, O God, we cherish your commandments. They are not burdensome. They are beautiful. They are holy. They are for our liberation and our freedom and our protection. Thank you, Father God. We celebrate the blood of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. When a supernatural encounter begins to unfold, just lean into it and let it happen. I see right now in the Spirit, it looks like a color purple, and it's like a, a, a light pink also. And there are some of you that are in the sunset years of your life, and you think, Pastor Stephen, God can't use me. My, my best days are behind me, and I'm just going to have to sit around and live my life out in complacency and be of no value or effect. But I see that God has a different plan, and He's going to make your last years be like gold. He's going to make them so fruitful and so productive. And if you'll, if you'll lean into this, He will even extend your years. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we thank You for this. May those who have heard that, and it applies to them, may they receive it. Father, we give You praise. And I see that the Lord will even do things for your body where uh, you'll just, you'll somehow have some energy and uh, the ability to go like you've never been able to go before. And there is a, an oil of lubrication even for your body. So I rebuke arthritis in the name of Jesus. It's in somebody's wrist and in the, the, the bones of your hands. And it's, it's like brutal. It's bad. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I release the healing anointing the healing oil of the Holy Spirit to go into the bones of your hands. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Receive. It's flowing right now. Take it, take it, and let it just run up your arms. Let it go wherever it needs to go because it's flowing right now. Somebody, you've had ringing in your left ear. Be healed in the name of Jesus. I command that ringing to stop. In Christ's name, receive your healing now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Somebody else, this is a specific word for you. You, you. You've been having a heart palpitation, an irregular beating of your heart, and it'll like flutter real fast, and it'll, it'll try to put fear in you. That is a lying symptom. That is a lying symptom. This is somebody you haven't been to the doctor. There's been no, no diagnosis. You're just having this symptom. It's a lying symptom wanting you to receive it. If you receive it, it'll turn into a real condition. So if that hits you, just say, praise the Lord. I don't receive this in the name of Christ. I receive health, praise God, and I resist this attack of these symptoms. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's you, receive that. Father, we give you praise. Hallelujah. I rebuke swelling in the feet in the name of Jesus. The Lord's working on nasal passageways right now. Be healed in the name of the Lord. Somebody, you're, you're, stu you're stu uh, stuffed up and stopped up. Be healed. I command that to open up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anybody watching suffering with the COVID-19, be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let every symptom come off of you now in the name of the Lord. Take it by faith. Receive the healing anointing of Christ is flowing. Oh God, we give you praise. Father, let the anointing of your spirit of comfort, your warm, comforting love of your spirit, go right now and touch that person's heart who's watching right now that needs some supernatural comfort and your love and your warm embrace. Father, let that anointing for warmness, for comfort flow now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory. Glory, praise God. Thank you, Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm seeing many things in the Spirit. So whatever it is you need, just begin to receive it by faith, because the oil is flowing. Praise the Lord. May you never be dry. 
May you always be full of the joy of the Lord. May you always be divinely lubricated. And when that time does come, you'll be among the five wise virgins that have plenty of oil. That's just the way you live. Praise God. So, Father, we seal it. In the name of Jesus, we give you all of the praise. Father, thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit here upon the earth in our lives. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for watching. Look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay richly blessed and stay in the place of the dripping golden oil. Bye-bye.